We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 2nd, 2014, and um, kind of a generalized study today. We're going to be talking about the Grammys that just happened and um, a couple other topics as well. When I saw the things that went on at this, I didn't watch it, but some clips and things of this nature regarding the Grammys that happened this last week, I mean, it's just getting to the point where, as I've said for years, and it's not because I'm so smart in predicting all this stuff, I think the Bible clearly indicates that the backbone the essence of the coming one world, new world order under Antichrist and false prophet will be witchcraft. And it is imperative for Satan to indoctrinate us all into witchcraft. Every time we have any dealings with the world, particularly on television. Harder to do that a little bit on radio and things of this nature, but TV, because of the visuals and these types of things, it's it's a better medium to indoctrinate people into witchcraft. And this Grammys was literally a absolute Sodom and Gomorrah, um, Sodomite celebrating, witchcraft glorifying, gigantic spell casting session over, you know, anybody who would watch it and over America. It is just blatant, in-your-face, hardcore witchcraft. That's what we're dealing with. And um, this is all necessary in order to bring in the false the uh, false prophet and the Antichrist. They will come with all signs and lying wonders and miracles, thereby which they will be able to deceive the whole world, and, and if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And I, that's going back to Matthew 24. 24, and those are false apostles and, and prophets as well that will be able to do that. But they will be followers of the Antichrist and the false prophet. They will derive their power from that. And um, this is what we're, we're seeing here. <clears throat> the power from which the false prophet and the Antichrist are going to derive their ability to perform these miracles, signs and lying wonders and things of this nature will be the highest level witchcraft the world's ever known. And so we're seeing a ramping up of that in this modern day world. And what goes hand in hand with that is is the whole sodomite, gay, lesbian, transgendered abomination agenda as well. That goes hand in hand with that. Because it's it's the it's one of the highest forms of wickedness. That and child sacrifice and we have the abortion clinics and you know, whatever they're saying now, 55 million abortions since Roe versus Wade, but that's, that number's pitifully low if you add in um, <clears throat> probably the abortions that weren't documented. You add in all the abortions from contraceptives that are abortifactive, like the pill, the patch, IUDs, things of that nature. They're all abortifactive in the way they work, or can be. The pill and the patch and these types of things, these hormonal types, they actually can abort viable babies. A lot of people don't know that, but that is true, and this is why the Bible says, you know, my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge, according to Hosea 4.6. So, these are things that um, 
<clears throat> you don't want to be destroyed for lack of knowledge on, or bring a curse upon yourself because, you know, you might be doing these things and not knowing, actually literally aborting a baby every month and not even knowing it just through contraception. You know, and I don't mean condoms, I'm talking about hormonal contraceptives or things like IUDs. That, honestly, if you look at the statistics, that would absolutely dwarf the number of babies that were aborted. um, Because far more women would use that type of contraception than would ever get an abortion. So, I mean, the true numbers could be billions and billions and billions. If you think about it that way. Um, I know that that a lot of times doesn't rub people the right way. But again, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians 4.16. Just saying. Uh, <clears throat> not judging. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, it, this is how they work. This is, you look at the package inserts. So, anyway, I got off on a tangent there. But it's an important tangent. And, and these are things that, you know, all go hand in hand. That, that innocent blood crying out from the land, from all the abortions, from the abortion clinics, and then from the other things I've mentioned through um, contraceptives to the morning after pill. Oh, that's another huge one there. You you know, you're pretty sure you got pregnant. Well, take that morning after pill. Kill kill that that little baby because, you know, you don't want that. You, you, you need to have your freedom and you need to have your um, ability to have sex on command and not use protection and, and these types of things. It's all It all revolves around self and self-centeredness, and um, I'm not saying we all don't battle with self-centeredness, okay? But these are extreme forms of that. But society has deemed them good and wonderful, and, um, you know, the liberated woman can do these things and not have to be tied down to, to uh, you know, having a, a child. So you have all of these factors taking place, Massive amounts of innocent blood crying out from the land. Massive amounts of child sacrifice. Okay. Massive amounts of the whole gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, sodomite movements gaining more power, shoving that down our throat more and more and more. Every time, you know, you watch the Weather Channel. I, if I if I I'm trying to like watch the Weather Channel on online just on the internet, you know, just to see what the weather, you know, and they got that Matt Sampson guy there who's obviously a flamer on there, and 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 he's just you know his lispy. Every time I look at any kind of local news now, like back home at Fort Myers, I still check that website. You know, half the reporters are all flaming gay guys. Now, they're only 2 to 3% of the population, but I think that number's going up. Not only because there's more of these evil spirits and evil begets evil, evil spirits beget more evil spirits, which attracts more wickedness. That's why you'll have certain parts of the town where you have all of this bad evil activity going on, because evil begets evil. The land becomes stained with sin, it becomes defiled. The Bible talks about the land becoming defiled through child sacrifice, through um, sodomite. Uh, gay and lesbian by uh, through bestiality through these types of things the land is defiled and therefore the the land will vomiteth out her inhabitants that's the end of it that's what happens at the 
the logical conclusion when the land can bear it no more. And this is what we're, I believe, approaching here in, in America, where sin is glorified, that glory in their shame. That's the norm. And that's what this Grammys was. It was, it's getting to the point where it's such glorying in your shame. If it's evil, it's good. If it's good, it's evil. Don't you judge us. We're going to shove this down your throat, and you're going to like it, Mr. Christian. We're coming for you, Mr. Christian. You know what? My God created the universe. Top that. Your God never created anything but evil and death, and destruction. And he's bound for the lake of fire. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I like to remind them of their future. These devils and demons and and fallen angels and Satan can try to make our lives miserable and these types of things. And, and I know we're, we're going to deal with things, obviously, on this earth, but you can always remind them of their future as well. Because they don't like to be reminded of that. That's why I like to keep Revelation playing in the house 24-7 at all times. And it doesn't have to be like blaring where you're, you know, you can't get, get anything to think or whatever. Not to say that would be bad, but I keep, I keep a CD of Revelation playing on a continuous loop all the time in some part of the house. The devils don't like it. And I tend to have a lot less problems with demonic interference when that's going on. And when it's not, I tend to have more. Now, I'm not saying I'm relying on some CD, but it is the Word of God, and the Word of God will not return void. I'm telling you, that one thing, if you do that one thing, in your house, or wherever you're at, in some way, shape, or form, the devils know that's there, and they do not like to be reminded of their future. And I think Revelation, the Bible talks about a special blessing to those that read the book of Revelation. It says that at the very beginning. And I think there's something real special with that book as well. And also, that's the time we're moving into, right? We're not in the tribulation yet, but we're, we're getting there. We're, we're on the cusp, probably, pretty close. Cusp of World War III, which will most likely bring us into that, so, you know. Anyway, the, the, the title of this first report is The Many Spells of the Grammys, 2014. The occult rituals of the Grammys were so obvious it defies the imagination. Before I continue, let's understand I'm not endorsing any type of fear. This is the cornerstone of the occult, to spread fear so people resonate with this energy. Why do you think they have all these uh, paranormal shows where it always shows the ghosts and the devils and the demons and the goblins always winning? Or if they're defeated, it's through some witch that comes in and does some shamanistic session to liberate these poor lost devils into the white light. All these things are familiar spirits. They can manifest as the humans they once occupied, or possessed, or oppressed. They know their mannerisms, they know what they look like, they know their voice inflections, they know all of that. They might have been in their body for, who knows, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. 
They're intimately aware of that person, and they can mimic that person. They're familiar spirits. That's why the Bible talks about familiar spirits. They're familiar with the person, and they can manifest that way. That's all they are. They're not that person. That person is either in heaven or hell. Most likely, they're in hell. You know, I mean, if they were if they're walking around with big time demons in their lives, you know, I doubt they're in heaven. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So. This is what you're dealing with with all these paranormal shows. And then you have the shows about the vampires and the werewolves which and, and the witchcraft, which is just increasing. Every time I turn around, there's a new show coming about witchcraft or werewolves or, or, or vampires. you think there's any... Or zombies. Do you think there's any basis of fact or truth in any of this? Or is Hollywood just doing this for no reason at all? Just to scare... True, yeah, it does breed fear. Because in all of those situations, Christians are not even... They're like an afterthought. If, if any type of Christianity is even mentioned, it's typically some apostate, pedophile, Catholic priest who can't get the job done. Or some pathetic, lukewarm, maybe, 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 maybe Protestant pastor that, you know, can't get the job done either. He's afraid or lukewarm. This is how they want to portray Christianity. No power. No hope. We're going to crush you. We're going to dominate you, and you better just live in fear. They feed off the fear. Satan feeds his fallen angels. This is what they eat, essentially. This is their diet. Okay, They live off the fear of other people. They want to create the fear. And then this article goes on to say, this is the cornerstone of the occult, to spread fear so people resonate with this energy. Why do you think they appear scary and try to scare people and freak people out and do this type of stuff? It's because they literally feed off this energy of fear that is produced from the person who is afraid. Courage, on the other hand, particularly if it's biblically applied through the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and His holy angelic host, through a saved, born-again Christian with the full armor of God on... Oh, then it's, then the, the tables are turned, everything's flipped. You want to know about some of my experiences, key in Supernatural, in the keyword search box, at contendingfortruth.com, and you can see about some of the things I've dealt with. I've never been, went out and, I've never been defeated. I mean, when I went out and tried to deal with these things. Does that mean I think I'm better? No. Just saying, through the Lord, you can, I can do all things, you know, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. God says, call upon thee and I will show thee you know, great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So, I mean, you have power as a born-again Christian to defeat wickedness. But, obviously, there are certain things, you know, you need to do before you do that. Sometimes fast is involved. Sometimes always prayer, or being read up in the Word of God, confessing your sins, making sure you've forgiven others or you will not obtain forgiveness, putting on the full armor of God, uh, you know, appropriating the blood of Jesus Christ. This goes on to say, we become many power stations pumping fear into the atmosphere of the earth when we let them scare us. The wicked have more to fear than the believers of the Most High. Anybody who dies unsaved or is deemed wicked on the day of the Lord 
has only hell to look forward to. We should acknowledge what we are seeing, but should not empower ourselves with the state of fear. In other words, we're not to be ignorant of, of Satan's devices, lest he gets an advantage of us, and that's a big reason why this ministry exists. We, we don't want to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. We want to be able to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness, and this is what we're going to look at right here. But we also don't want to participate in the wickedness of that. And that's why it's important to be educated, because a lot of times people, they're not even aware what they're doing as a Christian might be bad. It's just become so commonplace in society, some things. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Now notice it says spirit. That means that there are literal devils and demons, fallen angels, that are literally like spirits of fear. That's what their specialty is. Creating fear, particularly in a born-again Christian. I think that would be where they would really... Because the, the unsaved, they've already got them. Who would they really want to try to make afraid? A real Christian. That would be, I think, a lot more valuable to them, to their cause, to Satan's cause. So, for God have not given us the spirit of fear. Spirit of fear. So that's what you're battling. You're literally battling these spirits of fear. But of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Ephesians 5.11, and then verses 13-16, through And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. This is what we're doing. I'm not, I didn't even watch the Grammys, but what I am here to do is to reprove them. That word reprove, according to the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary, which defines the words much more closely as they were used in the King James Bible, means, reprove means to blame, to convince a fault, or to make manifest, to excite a sense of guilt. Now this is what most preachers in the modern day lukewarm 501c3 church don't do. Not all, but most. They've got to be real careful what they say or they'll lose that 501c3 tax-exempt status. They need to abide by the IRS guidelines in order to maintain their 501c3 charter. It's got to be done. The IRS gets wind of it, they're going to be in trouble. Then, going further, it says, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. When you reprove something, you make you, you shed light on it. When you shed light on it, what does that mean? You expose it. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. They hate the light. Why? Because the Bible says their deeds are evil. They run to darkness. They're driven to darkness. The Bible even says. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. Now this would be the typical lukewarm, 501c3 pew warm and Christian, right now. Wake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. They're in the, literally, they're in the congregation of the dead. That's another term that comes straight from the King James Bible. Check this verse out, okay? This verse is amazing. Proverbs, I didn't even have it in the study. I need to put this in here, though. I'll put this verse in there, in the PDF for today. Um, the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. 
the congregation, that implies like a church, right? Yeah. The frozen chosen. The congregation of the dead. Which is the norm, I hate to say it, in today's corporate 501c3, corporate lukewarm denominational system in America and elsewhere. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding. See, that's why it's so important to have understanding. To have knowledge. True knowledge. Jesus Christ said the greatest indicator, the greatest probably, if you could give one word to describe the day and times we're moving in, according to Matthew 24, 24, is deception. He said, be not deceived. He said it over and over. Regarding that time, which is the time we're in and moving toward. Well, if you wander out of the way of understanding, you're deceived. What's the remedy for that? Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of understanding. The angel of the, of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them So the fear of the Lord is something you should pray for because that will lead to you having your eyes opened in the the realm of true knowledge, true understanding, true wisdom. So the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. That's the norm right now. You go to a church or you go around anybody that says they're a Christian, that is the norm. Doesn't mean I think I'm better. I, I, I was there at one time. I mean, for quite a while. I spent my time in the old Pentecostal church. Charismatic, charismania. We're going to talk about that today as well. And, um... I'm not saying all the people, they were wicked. Or, or that I don't um, love them. Or that I don't have any good memories. It's just that I can look back and see, wow, I was really deceived. (laughs) I was really deceived. And the first step that got me out of that was when somebody, and she was a Pentecostal lady, gave me this tape. And it was about the King James Bible and um, its vast superiority over the the modern uh, translations and the differences between the two. It was like apples and oranges, two totally different things. And that was what really got my eyes open. When I yielded to that, then all of a sudden, it was like I got my eyes open. I looked around. I'm like, man, uh, we're doing all kind of things in the Bible, even if you read an NIV Bible, that we're not supposed to be doing in here. You know, even praying in tongues. I mean, like, it's not everybody's supposed to be praying in tongues all at once. Like, you know. <laughs> even I mean, if, if, if you if you adhere to that. We weren't even doing that right. There were so many things that we were not doing biblically. Regardless of how you feel about tongues, is what I'm saying. And so it was like, wow. Uh, I started going to the pastors with this stuff. Originally I went to them. I just harped on the KJV because I saw what it had done to me. And they were just, they didn't want to hear it. As soon as they, they saw it, oh, this is causing division among the brethren. Okay, so let's be united in air. It's better to be united in air, evidently, than divided in truth. 
Well, Jesus Christ said, think not, think not that I come to bring peace on this earth, but I come to bring a sword. And a man's foes will be they of his own household. And that's usually the case for somebody that's, that gets saved and their family members are not saved. And that can also be the case when you deal with an issue like this. It's a big, it's a, it's, it's a deal breaker. For me, it was a deal breaker. Got me out of the charismatic church. Thank God. And I had like 10 people come out with me, but I think within two years, they were all back in it. Because it's so appealing to the flesh. So appealing to have somebody tickle your ears and tell you what you want to hear. And, oh, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and mighty exploits, and this and that. And that's the way it always goes. The devil knows what you want to hear. My problem was, is, is when I was getting told those things, a lot of them were like, you know, you need to do this. And I would act on it, and then I would quickly realize, that person had never heard from God. <laughs> and that got my my eyes open as well. That as well. So, it was kind of a combo effort. I saw the bad fruit, in other words. And a tree is known by its fruit. And then I started researching the people in the charismatic movement. And I realized a lot of them were Luciferians. Like Kenneth Copeland and Hagen and, and a lot of these, you know, the Brownsville Revival stuff and those dudes, Rodney Howard Brown and, ugh. And I had somebody give me a 20-hour tape on that. Key in the Toronto Blessing, um, I think it's exposed. Okay, so the, the, it was called the Toronto Blessing Unmasked. I think that was the name of the, one of the main tapes. And um, I had all these these VHS tapes from, like, way back. And the guy that was making them, he, uh, he was in Australia. And he had long, I think they had got to him and shut him down. So I had one of the only copies of these things. And I, I sent it to a listener in... Um, England, and it took him a while, but he finally got the videos up online. He was able to convert the VHS into something. I, I don't know about all that stuff. I'm not that computer savvy. Um, and, I mean, I guess I could have probably learned it, just I'm, I got my hands full with what I'm doing here with the ministry, but he got him up there, and um, key in Toronto, Blessing Unmasked. It's 21-part teaching. It's my listener, David1057. That's his what he goes by. Anyway, um, I mean, you need to pray before you watch these. You know, it even says that. And in fact, I had him put that warning there because people, you watch these and you're like, just you're messed up. I mean, after you watch these, it, it's 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 terrible. I mean, you realize these people like Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and these main main guys and these Rodney Howard Bryant, they're, they're they're not just deceived. They're Satanists. They're pure evil. We're going to talk about Kenneth Copeland some today. It's not just some innocent thing they're doing just to, just to make money. Oh no, it's way more than that. I mean, we're talking, they're donning the black, the black robes and, and participating in human sacrifices when, when they're not up in front deceiving, deceiving the masses and fleecing the flock and cleaning them out for all they're worth and sending the magic prayer, probably cursed prayer cloths or whatever. It shows them now remember, these are VHS tapes that were put onto the internet, so don't expect the best quality on the planet, but it's as good as good as I could do, is all I had. Um, 
but I mean, it slows down the tongues, it reverses the tongues, you're, you're actually hearing, it, it, you, you hear what they're saying off camera, how they're calling out to Satan, how they're putting literal curses on the crowds. This is so easy in Pentecostalism because of tongues. Because that enables them to do this under that cover. And that's why witches love charismatic Pentecostal churches, because they can go there and literally pray totally in witchcraft tongues. Which I think a lot of people are doing that anyway, and they're not, they don't even realize it. And they're literally invoking devils and demons and putting curses over the whole congregation. And this is a big reason why people are so deceived in the charismatic Pentecostal. I've known way too many, way too many personal friends, and I'm sorry, every single one of them that I've known has just about went off the deep end. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's been my experience. I've tried, but you can't typically tell them anything. And I hate to say this, but it seems to be that the women really, 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 really get sucked into this and really seem to take it more seriously. I'm not being judgmental, I'm not being chauvinistic. I'm telling you from my experience, I think that Satan has a real niche in there and I'm not saying the men, I mean, these these are all guys that I'm exposing here in the video. But the women, I'm talking about the women that are like part of these ministries that that are, are um, get into this really hyper-charismatic Pentecostal stuff. I just see more of them really, really, really go off the deep end and get deceived. I'm not saying there's not tons of guys that aren't. But the women tend to take it more seriously, from my experience. I've seen a lot of guys go off the deep end as well, but the women seem to really be like, they really want to be on fire for God. They really want to try, and they end up getting off into like some crazy, where they think they're hearing from God constantly. And that voice overrides anything the Word of God says. This is how cults get started. Voices in their heads that are telling them to do things that eventually it doesn't matter that it's unbiblical. Maybe at the, maybe at the beginning the voices are lining up with the Bible. But then all of a sudden it starts to kind of veer you off. Eh, it's subtle. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, but I've got such a special relationship with God that I'm, I'm reinterpreting the Bible at this point. They also don't typically ever emphasize KJV and the Pentecostal Charismatic Church, which is a huge issue. It's a big reason. Another big reason I left. And... um. I've known a lot of women in the charismatic movement. A lot of them are really good friends of mine. That's why I take this so personally. And, man, I think I know of one right now I could actually talk to and have a, have a decent conversation with. And I think the reason for that is she's very, very humble. Very humble. That's another problem you run into. When you start thinking that you are hearing the voice of God 24-7, you start thinking you're extra special. Pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Do I think that God can't speak to us? Absolutely. But I think he primarily does that through the word of God. These women and men that think they're hearing the voice of God all the time, particularly the Pentecostal and Charismatic movement, they become proud. They start thinking, you know, I'm really something else. They may not ever say that, but deep down they feel that way. And that pride blinds them, just like it blinded Lucifer at the fall. That's what did it to him. 
It says, because of his beauty and because of his merchandise, according to Ezekiel, he was lifted up. His heart was lifted up. Then he said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend unto the sides of the north. He was essentially going to try to usurp God. I mean, that's pretty delusional. That's why we have to guard against pride. What is, what is the remedy for that? Fear of God. Back to that. If you fear God, it'll keep typically keep pride in check. If you really fear God. Humility is integrally connected with the fear of God, and humility is the, is the antidote for pride. Pride is like the worst sin in the Bible, because it blinds you. You, you don't even think you have a problem when you're proud. You think, oh, I'm really on, right, on point with God. I mean, Paul said, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I shouldn't do, that I do. And the things that I should do, that I don't do. Now, that was probably the greatest apostle that ever lived, and he said that. Doesn't give us a license to sin. We shouldn't use our liberty for an occasion of the flesh. But he did say that. And the Bible says if we, if we say we have no sin, you know, the truth is not in us. And, but we should strive for perfection. But we shouldn't go around thinking we're, we're oh, I've arrived. I'm, I'm living in sinless perfection. I'm, I'm holier than thou. Come not now, not thou nigh me, as the Bible talks about in Isaiah. That's, that's pride. That's what you have to guard against. And I really think the Pentecostal movement, and particularly the charismatic movement, is really set you up for pride. From there, it's all downhill. And I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. I think that was one of the things that kind of kept me from falling into that whole pride thing, is that I think I felt like God kept me humble during that time. I was in there. And, and that was why I was able to get my eyes open. If I had fallen into pride, though, you might not even hear me online ever. I might have still been wrapped up in that stuff, thinking that I was whatever. I mean, I had some people I dearly loved in that, and I still do, I still would, loved in that movement. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like, I hate them. I mean, I, I love these people. I had a bond with, with a lot of these people that was really deep, but in the end, it was like, you know, there's so much leaven, there's so much heresy, there's so much greed, there's so much pride, there's so much corruption in that movement. And now, they're yoking up with the Catholic Church. And I mean to a heavy-duty degree. And I know I've totally got off point here. I'm going to come back to this later in the study. I should have said this then. Well, I won't have to say it then. Just remember what I'm saying now. And then later I can just get on to what, what is going on with the Pope and Kenneth Copeland and the charismatic movement. And you're not going to believe it. I got this from a listener. I haven't seen any ministry put this out yet. And it's not a secret what I'm going to be getting into. But a listener informed me of this and confirmed it, and I was just, wow. Unbelievable. But that's going to come later. Anyway, so I'm sorry about that. I, You know what? I'm going to put a link to this Toronto Blessing Unmasked Part 1. Because if you go to Part 1, you'll, it'll automatically you'll see Part 2. It's 21 parts, but um, it's a lot. But I'm going to put a link to it in this study. And that way you don't even have to go search for it. You'll just you'll have it right there. Okay, I just paused the teaching for a second to add in that one verse, the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. And I also posted 
the part one for the um, Toronto Blessing Unmasked um, later in the study where we talk about Kenneth Copeland. It's going to be near the end. I'll, I'll go over that when we get to that point. Anyway, um, the, then we go back to Ephesians 5, um, and I think we're getting into verses 13 through 16 here. And then it says, And see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And remember, the night's coming when no man can work. Jesus Christ talked about that. So, you know, I know there's a lot of distractions. I know there's a lot of <laughs> things that, that can take our time away. And But it is important to do these things, walking circumspectly. Now that word means, in Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary, that word means cautiously, with watchfulness every way, with attention to guard against surprise or danger. So we're not just supposed to go kind of like willy-nilly through life and like, you know, a chicken with our head cut off and just whatever, oh, let's let it go, let's go with the flow and let go and let God and whatever and... (laughs) Um, I've heard, I've met a lot of Christians that are like that, and um, there's no Bible for it at all. Uh, it's just we're not. There's no Bible for it, particularly in today's day and age when there's like a satanic trap around every corner, just about. So, and also trusting in man, you know, we, we're not supposed to put our trust in man. Cursed be the man that trusted in man, and then make a flesh his arm, and his heart departed from the Lord. So. That's not something we're supposed to do either. Jeremiah seventeen five, I believe. So um, that's a big one with ministries, particularly you know five hundred one c three televangelistic in, in those types of things. Uh, a lot of people do that. Anyway, let's go further. So going back to the article, it says this is a fearful energy state, meaning fear. Satan prefers even of his or her own followers, it's meaning the people that are in the occult, particularly the higher you go, the more fear. They're in, because they're afraid of repercussion from the devils and demons that are either occupying them or have control over them. Because the further you go into the occult, it's like the harder it is to get out, and the more control they have over you, and the more ability they have to punish you on many levels. So, then he goes on to say, in essence, I am saying, choose love and follow the example Christ demonstrated to us. But don't, you know, live in fear of, um, well, the fear of man bringeth a snare. And that's what apply to fear the devil, the fear of the fallen angels. It's, it's going to bring a snare. If that's where you're at and you're fearing that stuff, well, a snare is a trap. So, um, perfect love casteth out fear, as the Bible says. Now, with this being said, let's jump into the Grammys and what type of spells were cast on the audience and the viewers. Yes, if you watched, you were a target. It does not mean you were not protected, but the question is, how many people are following the path of Christ who watched the Grammys? The very first act of the Grammys, after LL Cool J J ingratiated himself to the crowd, was good old Beyonce. If you did not guess, guess that her her performance and song was about sex. I can't even put the images up of her. I mean, you know, it was that bad. The smoky stage is a preferred transitory environment for the demonic realm. It was like a stripper act, I guess. I didn't watch it, 
But the images were so bad, I couldn't even put them in the study. They weren't appropriate at all. Would have been like a, a kind of like a, a, a demonic stripper act. Okay? Uh, we can assume demons were manifesting through her and around her at the behest of her demon, Sasha Fierce. Now, Sasha Fierce is her alter ego that Beyonce transforms into when she goes on stage, self-admittedly. She's actually, in interviews that I've seen, she's actually kind of a quiet person. She says, but when I go on stage, I transform into Sasha Fierce, and she takes over. She does what I could never do. It's, you can look up those interviews. She's literally taken over by an alter ego, by, by, a, by a devil. That's already there, but it manifests at the right time. It's right satanic time, I guess. People in the audience open themselves up to possession as they dance to the demon-possessed stripper act. The blogosphere has lit up with one parent group going as far as calling Beyonce a whore, most li- mostly because she wore the uniform of a whore and danced like a stripper. Yeah, a whore is pretty much the least of what she she is, probably, if the truth be known. They did not understand the occult side of the equation. This is what is called sex magic. This is what Aleister Crowley indoctrinated a lot of people into, and through the genre of rock and roll, a lot of his followers, including, like, the Beatles, they literally had Aleister Crowley on the back of one of their albums, a picture of him, um, Led Zeppelin, host of Ozzy Osbourne, he's got a song, Mr. Crowley, uh, I used to listen to Ozzy Osbourne when I was young, I mean, you know, I listened to all that hard rock stuff, Iron Maiden, I mean, I'm not acting like I'm some puritanical person that, that was in some kind of, like, you know, unbelievably pure background brought up. I wasn't. My mom was heavily involved in New Age and yoga. They were both heavily involved in in, in rock and roll. In you know, you know, my parents they smoked a lot of pot. They'd have parties. I mean, man, they just lived to throw parties. You know, drinking and in carousing and partying and and all that. Man, that's how I was brought up. So. I know all about this this type of stuff. I'm not saying I'm glad I do, but but that's what it is. I mean, that's why the Bible talks about consider the pit from which you were dug from. <laughs> I can really look back at mine and see I was really dug out of a really bad one. <laughs> so, because uh, I was. So anyway, um, uh, let's see here. So these was these demons were Sasha Fierce. People in the audience opened themselves up to possession as they danced to this uh, demon-possessed stripper act. This is what is called sex magic. The purpose was to evoke a sexual energy prior to the mix of heterosexual and homosexual lesbian wedding vows that happened in mass later in the show. So see, everything was done in satanic order. This was setting the stage for the gay weddings that took place later. Glorying in their shame. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, the most blatant occult ritual was Katy Perry. Katy Perry's performance is actually traceable and is a smoking was the smoking gun of the night. This was, I mean, you, you, you're, you're like trying to like find which was the most wicked thing that happened at the Grammys. Was it Beyonce's performance? Was it Katy Perry's? Was it the was it all the the gays and lesbians getting married? I mean, they literally got married officially. Not in God's eyes, but, you know, I mean, I, and I don't even know. I'm sure there was all kind of other garbage that went on. 
Um, her performance, Katy Perry, was also known as the Witch's Sabbath. And it means Katy was not only the not only the wasn't the only witch in the building. Obviously, she had just come out recently and said because she's supposedly from a Christian, she was a Christian and this stuff, Christian upbringing. Her dad's a pastor, and I, her dad's called her a devil now. Come out and called her like a demon or a devil, and uh, she's officially renounced Christianity. She said, "Heaven's a myth. I've renounced Christianity." This just happened I, very recently. So this was her way of showing Satan, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in, Satan. I'll do whatever you tell me. Okay? So she was just the witch on stage while the others participated by dancing and energizing the, her ritual. Her single, called Dark Horse, was actually the spell being cast, and the lyrics obviously have a role in the spell. Um... I'm not going to go over all the lyrics, okay, for Dark Horse, but they're really, really bad. I mean, they're 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 terrible. And she sang it with some other little devil rapper guy that back and forth or whatever. I, I don't know. Um, but it was an absolute spell being cast. Now I'm going to talk about this more a little bit later as well. Many people have made the connection that the dark horse of Katy Perry's performance resembles the creepy horse at the Denver International Airport. There was, that was one, I, I did go up there and watch the clip for it, and there was this dark horse she had on stage. It was like this mechanical-looking devil horse. And, yeah, it does look a lot like that really, really super creepy horse at the Denver International Airport. And here, the Denver Broncos are playing tonight. And what's their symbol? A horse. A pale horse, in that case. This is, they're talking about a dark horse. Pale horse is one of the horses that um, is permitted by Jesus to be, it's one of the um, four horsemen. Jesus is in control of all these. And that's part of the tribulation. He's not the source of wickedness, but they, they are under you know, they can't do things apart from his permission, in other words. So in the tribulation, you know, you look at the pale horse, which, you know, is death. Okay, so that verse, Revelation 6, 8, and I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death. Now, I just went over these verses in a recent study. And his name that sat on him was death. So the pale horse, which is what the Denver Broncos are symbolized by, his name that sat on him was death. And then you have the, this this devil Mustang death horse in front of the Denver International Airport. Denver has been, and I've said this before, is most likely going to be the capital of the North American Union uh, if Washington, D.C. is taken down, which there's a high likelihood that may happen. Denver has been scheduled to be the coming capital for the North American Union, which will be one of the, the ten horns that the Bible talks about in Revelation, one of the ten kingdoms. There's a gigantic underground base underneath the Denver International Airport. They were, they were like billions and billions of dollars over budget building that thing. They didn't even need the airport. They just built it. It's like 54 square miles or something. It's, it's unbelievable how huge it is. And all of these stories about, you know, I've been there. I mean, all the gargoyle statues underneath in the basement. I went down there. I, I looked at all that stuff. The, the, the really weird 
creepy murals, the Freemasonic free dedication stone. I saw all that stuff. Um, anyway, I, I'm not saying here nor there how all this is going to play. I'm just saying these are interesting parallels that we're looking here. And um, in this particular case, the pale horse was death and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with, and with the beasts of the earth. So, you know, we'll see. Additionally, um, obviously, then we have the Denver Bronco logo horse, which is also a pale horse. And is represented in the Super Bowl 48 logo. Now, the game, we're, and we're going to, since... I'm just going to touch on this with the Super Bowl. Now I'm going to make I'm going to veer here, so bear with me. I'm not doing a dedicated study on the Super Bowl. I put out a big email last night on a lot of things. Who knows? I, I mean, I should probably be checking this because I'm literally doing this as the Super Bowl is playing. I mean, I've, I've went out of my way to say I will not watch the Super Bowl. Period. I mean, I don't even have a TV, but I, I probably could try to find some way to watch it. I'm not going to do it. I refuse. I, I don't watch pro football anyway. It's, it's, oh, wow, they're beating them 43-8. Well, Denver's going down in flames, so the Pale Horse isn't doing too good right now. Anyway, um, I'm just not, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I mean, there's, there's all kind of sex trafficking going on there right now. Super Bowl is one of the biggest, um, things right now for sex trafficking, for, for, um, uh, bringing in thousands and thousands of underage prostitutes that have been abducted and things of this nature to have sex with these lecherous devils that have flown in there and are, sp- are spending all this money. They're all herded now on mass transit. I heard that you know they're all like suffocating on the mass transit. You got to get on a bus. You pay you know a thousand, two thousand bucks for a ticket, and then you got to get on a bus to get there because it's so big, brother. It's so draconian. I mean, you know, F sixteen scrambled, Blackhawk choppers everywhere. You know, they've got a soft and a hard search when you go in there. They're probably doing cavity searches, for all I know. I mean, in there. TSA, it's 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 like total slave training to get in there. And you're paying for this. Just like I say, this is why I won't fly. I'm like, I'm not going to pay to have somebody take a TSA ripping your DNA apart with the terahertz regu- radiation pornographic picture or the, you know... Um, perverted uh, full body pat down. Just, I'm not going to pay for that. That's why I haven't flown in years. And and you're do, you're paying for all this. The, the Super Bowl is absolutely total pure slave trading. Now, um, let's get into this a little bit. Uh, looks like they're really crushing Denver. Um, February first. Now, what is what is this day? Also, Groundhog's Day. Puxitani Phil. I actually looked out back today. I have a, a groundhog that is in like the open field out back where they plant, and I've been watching. I was kind of watching today, see if old Puxitani made his little his little furry chubby debut. I love furry chubby little animals. I just love them. I can't get enough of them. Anyway, it's not the groundhog's fault. Okay, I understand it's an occult holiday, and that's what I'm going to talk about right now. But the groundhogs, he's a cute furry chubby beast. I mean, come on. I, I can't help but love them. Yeah, I love animals. So, anyway, February 1st and 2nd is also known as Candle Mass and Imbolc, also known as Groundhog's Day. 
And it's one of the Illuminati's human sacrifice nights. Now, when I say that about the groundhog, I'm not making light of a, of a, of a pagan holiday where they're literally sacrificing somebody. Okay? I'm just saying it's not the groundhog's fault. It's a creature that God made. He's not like all groundhogs are evil because of this. This is something that, you know, man, pagan man, I guess, created. So, Candle Mass, which is also known as, is associated with Imbolg, um, is a, is really is a Catholic um, holiday that stems from the pagan observances of Imbolc. See, Candlemas, just like Christmas, came from Saturnalia, which was the Roman um, holiday to the god Saturn, or the god or the celebration of the birth date of the sun god Tammuz. That's what Christmas is. Okay. It's the modern-day version of the ancient Roman holiday Saturnalia. All the Catholic Church did is re- relabel it, rename it, and put a sla- try to slap a Christian veneer on it, whitewash it, and call it Christian, when it was totally pagan from its beginning. Okay, And they say, well, it doesn't matter. We're celebrating the birth of Christ when we know there's no way he could have been born on December 25th, according to the Bible. It's been proven over and over. If you look at the biblical verses regarding Jesus' birth, he could have never been born on that day. It doesn't matter. Jesus is the reason for the season. No, he's not. Tammuz is the reason for the season. The sun god Tammuz. Not the son of God, but the sun god. S-U-N. Tammuz. Saturnalia. Okay, This is very similar with Groundhog's Day, which is also in the Catholic death cult called Candlemas. But where did that come from? Imbolg, which is one of the Illuminati's human nights of human sacrifice. Um, the Candle Mass was the Catholic activity stemmed from the pagan observances of Imbolg, which is a Gaelic festival and or the Roman festival Lupercalia. Candle Mass occurs at a period between December solstice and the March equinox. See, it's all astrology. It's all, which is witchcraft, Okay. D- divining fortunes through the stars. Now, astronomy, the study of the stars, is fine. But astrology, and I'm not saying there's not anything to astrology. I mean, listen, witchcraft has benefit. I'm not saying there's no benefit to witchcraft. I mean, people just don't do it for no reason. But the price is far greater than you're ever going to want to pay. I mean, is it worth it? But that's why you got to be real careful. Horoscopes and stuff like this. Okay, These... Holy days, this is where we get the word holiday from, they're pagan holy days. Okay? Candle mass, or imbolg, occurs at the period between December solstice and um, shortest day of the year, generally December 21st, and the March equinox. Okay? So many people traditionally mark that time of year as winter's halfway point. We're halfway through winter. While waiting for the spring. That's why they look, they bring little Puxitani out and they see if he can see his shadow. And then he divines whether we're going to have whatever, whatever it is, with six weeks more bad weather. Or, anyway, I'll get into that next. So the popular Puxitani film, who is adorable. Okay, let's get that straight. Anyway, he comes out, the groundhog comes out of his burrow. Actually, he doesn't really come out of his burrow. They pull him out of this, like, I think fake log thing. And he divines the rest of the uh, uh, he 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 is there to def- divine like a divination 
the next few weeks of weather. He doesn't do anything. He just sits there. He's not looking around and says, you know what, I, I think I do see my shadow. How could he possibly convey that information? Does he have a little scratch pad? A little Puxatani Phil scratch pad where he actually can communicate with us in some way, shape, or form? <laughs> it's all kind of a scam. Anyway, um, if he sees his shadow, we will have six more weeks of bad weather until spring finally arrives. If he does not see his shadow, the next seven weeks before spring will be good weather. <laughs> Come on, give me a break. Anyway, notice this pagan tradition features both the number 6 and the number 7, which, when added, equals 13. When most people do not realize is that the pagan view of Groundhog's Day, or Imbolg, represents the Earth Mother. Consider these uncanny parallels between the Groundhog and the Earth Mother. Number 1, as the Earth Goddess sleeps inside the Earth during the winter season, so does the Groundhog. Now I can tell you, I remember this Groundhog um, dug this hole out here, it's probably about 100, 150 feet off my, off our back, back porch, in this farmer's field, I hope they don't kill him, oh man, because I think that's kind of what they do, you know, with groundhogs and stuff, anyway, um, I hope they don't, yeah, I hope they don't, and Taylor's looking at me like a whore, um, uh, he's got a big hole. We went out there the other day and looked at him. I mean, it's really, really impressive. I mean, I'm like, wow. You know, maybe he could do some, I don't know, work for me, a little interior decorating. Anyway, um, so he he went out there, and I remember before, like, the winter got real bad, I would see him out there. He'd be, like, sunning himself and doing little groundhog things that only groundhogs can do. And then all of a sudden, he was gone. And he went, and he's been hibernating. And he might have come out today. I don't know. I, I think I looked at one one or two times, but um, he might have come out. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how accurate that is as far as them coming out on the second. I mean, if the truth be told, I can't believe that there's some, you know, internal time clock where they always come out on the second day of February, you know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, the, as the earth goddess sleeps inside the earth during the winter season, so does the groundhog. Number two, both the Earth Goddess and the Groundhog bridge the two time periods, winter and spring. True, okay, I get that. Both the Goddess and the Groundhog are Earth creatures. Yeah, they are. I mean, absolutely. Four, both the Goddess and the Groundhog awaken in springtime. Okay. Five, both the Earth Goddess and the Groundhog complete the cycle of reincarnation. Okay, whatever there. Um... And number six, annually both the Earth Goddess and the Groundhog represent the cycle of rebirth and renewal. The name Groundhog was substituted for the satanic name of the holiday, Imbolg, a night requiring human sacrifice. See, they had to make all of these pagan holidays cute and palatable. Ishtar, which was to the fertility goddess Ishtar, which, you know, fertility rites and human sacrifice were involved and still are, if you practice paganism, that became Easter, and the Easter bunny, and chocolate eggs, and, and you know, wicker baskets, and all and all these things are rooted in paganism, and these things, well, became palatable to the Christian religion, just like Saturnalia became Christmas, oh, the birth date of, of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, oh, let's, happy time, and this and that. Imbolg became Groundhog's Day, oh, Puxatani Phila, who couldn't love that little furry guy? I mean, come on. 
have a heart. You know, you, you go through all these different holidays, and they all are rooted in paganism. Of the, of the, the only one that's, that doesn't have a, um, a absolute total foundation in that that I can determine is Thanksgiving. Um, so I'm not saying Thanksgiving's perfect, but I'm saying it's not, as far as I can see on the occult calendar, not from the research I've seen. Now, you can go up, and if you key in um, America's Occult Holidays, Doc Marquis. Now, I'm not endorsing Doc Marquis, okay? I mean, it could problems there. Um, but I think he's got a really, really good, the, the, the presentations he's done on that um, in times past. You can go see the one he did a long time ago from the Prophecy Club if you get it on YouTube. It's free. You can go up there. I just saw it not too long ago, and he'll walk you all through the, the all the occult holidays and how it's all determined through. A lot of the stuff is determined through astrology and it has to do with the number thirteen and six and seven, and uh, it's cyclical and has to do with spring equinox and summer equinox and winter solstice and summer solstice and all of these things that are absolutely totally rooted in paganism. So. Um, so the name Groundhog was substituted for the satanic name of the holiday, Imbolg, which is a night requiring human sacrifice. Groundhog Day, or Imbolg, is also the 33rd day of the year. Think about that. Hmm. It is. Because we have January 1st, which is... Okay, I'm sorry, January 31st, 31st day of the year, right? Then we have February 1st, 32nd day of the year. February 2nd, which is today which is the 33rd day of the year. 33rd, 33 is a very, very, very important number in the occult. There's the 33rd degree Freemason. You know, there, there's just so many things with the number 33 that is very, very near and dear to high-level occultists and Satan. So, um, anyway, the um, there's all kind of parallels that you could draw here. Now, Going back to the whole football thing, the Broncos are represented by the white horse, or the pale horse, which is, and the totally occulted Denver International Airport, which we know, which we all know and hold so dearly in our hearts, <laughs> the guy writing this wrote that, and future world vision, prominently features the Lucifer Bronco raging death horse, ready to rain down destruction. I mean, this thing is really, really, really creepy looking. And the thing's huge, and it's in front of the Denver International Airport. This thing literally killed its own creator. It crushed him in the final stages of production, and he died. It literally required a human sacrifice. The guy was going to get like 300 grand or something for doing the sculpture. Money well spent, you know, by, by Lucifer. And he didn't make it. He died. There's a link here I'm giving you, if you want to explore that, that tells you the whole thing, how he died from this very horse. And this was the very horse he was working on that's there now, in front of the Denver International Airport. And it's um, more of a, well, it's like a raging, like they say, a raging death horse. I wouldn't call it a, I don't think you could call it a pale horse. It's it's really super super evil looking and creepy and uh, here's a 
photo of it while the guy was creating it before it got super creepy, before he put that weird glaze on it. But yeah, yeah, he died. He died. Um, said part of the 32-foot sculpture was being moved with a hoist at uh, Jimenez's New, New Mexico studio. This is Luis Jimenez, the successful but often controversial sculptor who was supposed to be, uh, whose work was to be installed at the Denver International Airport. Um, he died in an industrial accident. The 32-foot sculpture was being moved with a hoist. Uh, when it came loose and struck the artist, pinning him against a steel support, said the Lincoln County Sheriff's Department. He was taken to Lincoln County Medical Center where he was pronounced dead. And this is the same horse that's in front of the Denver International Airport. Okay, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm looking at some close-ups of this thing. It's so gross-looking. It's got like these almost like these veins going through its head and the side of its body. It's like a, I wouldn't call it a pale horse. It would be more like a dark horse. It's it's like a, kind of like a medium. Some parts are light blue with these red, literal red devil eyes. But it would be more considered dark and these gross like veins going through its hooves and its head and its side and its underneath. It's really... It's really gross. It's almost graphic. I mean, you know, just... You'd have to see the pictures to know what I mean. Anyway. Yeah. So, there's the Masonic capstone. I'm looking at some of the pictures of this devil airport. I've seen... I've stood in front of all these these murals and the gargoyle statues. and Oh, I mean, it's really nasty. Bad, bad place. Um, Nazi stormtrooper... Yeah, it's, it's a really fun place. I mean, a place to really take the family for the day. Anyway, so, yeah, anyway, this, this, this Mustang Bronco thing statue killed its creator. Um, now, going back to the game, it says the game, the Super Bowl is being held at MetLife Stadium, which is the stadium Scientologist Tom Cruise is in, they're assuming he's in for the predictive programming scene in the movie Oblivion. Now, I'm going to play the trailer for this movie to the 44-second mark. I'm not saying the stadium's going to be destroyed, okay? I just think it's interesting that this parallel is drawn and that he's wearing a New York Yankees, New York cap on his head when he's in this stadium and he talks about the last Super Bowl ever being played here. Now, what could happen is if, let's say, nothing happens tonight... This stadium could be, let's say, theoretically, annihilated in the next year before the next Super Bowl, and that scene in that movie would be very, very accurate. It doesn't necessarily have to happen tonight. There's been a ton of things that I've seen in the last week to ten days that are saying, warning, danger, Will Robinson, danger, you know, um, they're going to they're gonna do a false flag in New York, they're, they're going to... They're going to have terrorists. They're going to blow things up. They're going to they're going to gas people. They're going to set off false flag nukes. Who knows? Okay, I don't like to get into those type of predictions because, you know, obviously the vast majority of the time that doesn't come to pass. But I think a lot of times the reason it doesn't come to pass is the Lord's mercy and that people know about it and pray about it, and and God averts it. Um, so I think it's good to know. And I know I would have rather have gotten this teaching up probably you know, a few days earlier so people could hear this. Um, um, but, 
it kind of is what it is. I, I, I wasn't able to get it up till today. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and play this trailer for the movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise in this post-apocalyptic world. And he's in this, in the, in, in the very first part of the trailer, they're in this stadium, this assumed to be blown up MetLife Stadium that was blown up in some obviously probably nuclear event. And he's talking about this. So I'm going to go ahead and play this now. Okay, I'm going to play this again because I don't think you were probably able to hear what he was saying. It was a little bit light. So this is Tom Cruise talking to like his kind of to himself and to the and to the lady in the video about the last Super Bowl was played here. The last Super Bowl was played right here. Jason, tell me it was a classic. Classic game. Eighty thousand people on their feet. Seconds left on the clock. <laughs> Okay, now, MetLife Stadium holds, I think, a little more than 80, or around 80. So that's another parallel. Hail Mary. One, six, six, back online. Sixty years ago, Earth was attacked. We won the war, but they destroyed half the planet. Everyone's been evacuated. Nothing human remains. Okay, so I think it was destroyed by some type of alien race, I believe. And this is another card they could play. And so, um, six years ago it was destroyed, and, and he's in this football stadium, and he's reminiscing about this game that took place. He said it was a classic. This game doesn't seem as though it's pinning out to be a classic game. It looks like they're kind of uh, getting beat pretty bad, the Broncos. So, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not going to sit here, oh, yes, it's definitely whatever. But I think there's some interesting parallels that can be drawn here. We're here for drone repair with a mop-up crew. Okay, so it just goes on, but that, they're here for drone repair. Drones have just totally taken over everything, essentially, at this stage of our existence, which is, again, something else, predictive programming they're trying to get us into. So, um... Uh, so the main subplot of the movie is an alien invasion, drones ruling everything, and a giant all-seeing eye called Tet ruling over everything. And actually, cloning these Tom Cruises, Tom Cruise is just one of many clones, and most of the history is a lie, something to that effect. Um, MetLife Stadium does hold 80,000 plus. Tom Cruise wears a New York hat resonating the event in anyone's mind who doesn't see the movie, but only the ad in passing. In other words, if you only saw the trailer, you'd still pick up on that. Just his New York cap, he's in that he's in that stadium. You assume it's the New York stadium. So what would you get from that clip, that trailer? Well, New York, blown up stadium, last Super Bowl. Those are like the keywords. Then we have the ultimate stadium football blowing up scene, which is the good old Dark Knight scene. In this scene, the number 322 um, is the main encode is the main number encoded, and it's marked on the stadium. Now, 322 is the number for the Yale Skull and Bones. If you look at their motto, it's the skull with two crossbones, and then the number 322 underneath it. Okay? So, again, I don't normally get into a lot of this stuff. All I mean, you could just go 
consume your whole ministry with this stuff. But it is it is kind of interesting. There's all these parallels. The stadium again is in New York in this in the Dark Knight series. I think it's that Bane guy goes in there to try to blow it up. One team is the exact same colors, and the logo is shaped exactly the same as the Seattle Seahawks. It's not the Seattle Seahawks, but the colors and the logo are almost virtually identical in that game, where the stadium is totally blown up. Okay? Just like here in Oblivion, where the stadium is totally blown up. Both are New York stadiums. Both happened during the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know? it's And we've never had a cold-weather outside Super Bowl ever. This is the first time. I, I was like, what are they doing? I don't understand this. They always have it typically in the South where it's warmer. There's only been, I think, five other Super Bowls that ever happened in the North and they were all in indoor dome stadiums where you were out of the elements. This one, we've had like the worst weather. Literally January was the coldest month in the last 100 years, at least in America. The coldest month in the last 100 years. That's how cold this last month was. Where's Al Gore when you need him? You know? Whole global warming thing. And um, here we are having a Super Bowl outside in the freezing cold weather. And in the um, Dark Knight series, these two teams are the... um, Again, the exact same colors and and the shaped logo as the Seahawks playing in that game. And the other team is the Gotham Rogues, which are actually the exact same colors as the throwback Denver Bronco uniforms. And there's a link here you can click on to see what throwback Denver Bronco uniforms used to look like. And they are identical. It's crazy. And in that in, in in that scene, the, the the guy is the classic scene where the guy's running the ball, and the the field is literally falling out from under him, and he gets to the end zone, and the field stops falling out from under him, and the whole stadium is essentially like you know blown up, and the, and the, everything's imploded and stuff. So anyway, it's you know I'm not saying anything's going to come of it. I, there may have been too much exposure, there may be too much prayer. I hope that's the case. I don't know, but I wanted to throw it out there. It was interesting. And there could be something that actually happens to that stadium, even in the next year, to literally make that the last Super Bowl. So it doesn't necessarily have to be during the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, now, back to the main report regarding Katy Perry. I know that was a gigantic rabbit trail I just went on, and I apologize, but it kind of, a little bit of it was a segue. So, I'm sure you can pick up on the ominous nature of the lyrics, and I would not be, and this is about Katy Perry. I didn't read the lyrics, okay? It's, it's just their devil demon lyrics. I'm going to read a little more lyrics later from another one of her songs. But um, they're really, really bad. Really bad in this witchcraft song, okay? And this goes on to say, I would not be surprised if playing the song backwards nets other satanic verses. A heart is sacrificed in the song, but we should focus on the dark horse because of this motif of the song. The audience of the Grammys is made up of practicing occultists, and they were clearly pushing their agenda forward. Practicing occultists and sodomites, gay, the old gay, um, lesbian, bisexual, transgender group. Now, this was blatantly bold by the handlers of Katy Perry to perform such a ritual with an easily uh, traceable past. This witch's Sabbath ritual also um, commands that witches perform this ritual out of fear of punishment from the demonic kingdom. Again, they're motivated by 
fear, in part, you know, is one of the main motivating factors. Everyone seems to have to pay a price if they do not follow the plan. The Dark Horse was evoked to usher in the destruction energies and to sacrifice to the god of war, which is Mars. Now, the, the month of March is, is, is the god of Mars's month. That's why they call it March. M-A-R, March. Okay, so this might be releasing these Dark Horse, destructive dark energies... Um, to sacrifice to the god of war, Mars. Uh, the undercurrent of all things in the occult appear to be evoking the energies of Mars. But why now? Well, if they were planning something, some huge big false flag event, that would be a pretty good reason. So, I'm going to go ahead and stop here, and we're going to go continue on with this same line of thinking and um, in, in part two. So, God bless you, and we'll see you in part two.